Welcome to A Seat at the Table. We're excited to have you today, and we're going to discuss the book of Romans. Thank you for joining us. We're going to jump into chapter two of the book of Romans, and thank you for joining us today. Brother Woodward, will you kind of segue us from chapter one into chapter two here, and we'll walk through uh, this fun chapter here? Well, in chapter one, I think a word that inadvertently came up several times in our last discussion was setup. Mm-hmm. Paul setting them up to kind of bring them to a conclusion. They will see it, it'll be obvious, and he'll hit it powerfully. So in chapter one, at the end of the chapter, we kind of bounced all around this, this massive list of sins. Mm-hmm. Some of them we perceive as worse than others, but that's part of his setup. Mm. You think this sin is terrible, but you're doing this sin, Mm -hmm. and you think that's okay. So he's setting up not only the Gentiles, he's setting up the Jews. Anybody that reads this book, he wants them to come to a conclusion. There's, There's one scripture that leads into that big list of sins in chapter one that we 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 didn't really uh, talk too much about. He says in chapter one, verse 25, they changed the truth of God into a lie. We mentioned the lies that people believe. And they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is mm. blessed forever. So, so here's Paul's point. It's not so much that we stop worshiping. We were created to be worshiping beings. But the the whole point of sin and the whole point of that big long list of sins is not varying degrees of evil or wickedness. It's that everybody's worshiping something. And if you don't worship God, Mm. you're going to worship something else. And, and his point is, they're worshiping themselves, their right. own opinion, mm-hmm. their own goodness, their own right yeah. to debauchery. They're worshiping something. And, and so the human heart, we defend ourselves. Oh, well, humanity sure. is basically good. We're, right. we're good people. But see, that's our problem. That's at the root of sin, that humans take a good thing and try to make it into a God thing. Oh, and wow. so we're our own God, really. Yeah. We, we judge. So, so here's the segue. He comes down to the end of chapter chapter one, and my goodness, this is amazing. Verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God, he's already said we're all without excuse. They which commit such things are worthy of death. And then he says, these people that know the judgment of God, they know that people are worthy of death if they do them. He said, those people not only do the same, some of them are doing these sins, but they have pleasure in them that do them. My goodness, if that wouldn't summarize media today, that we've got people that would never do this, but they welcome it into their mind, into their phone, into their home, into their TV screen. And so then his punchline, here's the segue, chapter two, verse one, therefore, thou art inexcusable, O men. You think you're all high and mighty and you were amen to me while I was preaching about all that sin. No, you're inexcusable, whoever you are that judges, for wherein you judge another, you're condemning yourself because... You're, you're the one that's judging somebody else, but you do the same things. You might not be doing them physically with your body. Mm. You're entertaining them mm. in your mind. Mm. You're, you're paying much closer attention to culture than to Christ. Mm. That's the segue. Yes. Yeah. So well, you're, you're all in trouble, yes. is what yeah. he just said. Yes. Yeah, I think that's where he's making sure, you know, I think chapter one is really hitting the Gentile Christians, because I know this is what mm-hmm. it's about. 
And then you can hear the amens coming yeah. from the Jewish Christians saying, that's right, get those old, you know, <laughs> those pagans old pagan and, and heathens. And he says, you're without excuse. So isn't that amazing that he said, you're without, they are without excuse. He says that up in chapter one. And then he says, uh, therefore, you have no excuse. Exactly. Because yeah. they have done it without the law. Yeah. They don't have a law. Yeah. They don't have the Moses. Right. You know, they, they don't, don't have, a, you do. Yeah. So you are without it. You're over here amening. Yeah, you know. But better. in your heart, yeah, you're doing all these things in your heart, uh, and I think that's where he comes with that punch here in chapter oh, two. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I, I I believe one of the greatest temptations that we Christians face is the temptation of distraction. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely. And obviously, uh, here in chapter two, hmm. they have taken it hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. They have become distracted. Mm-hmm. Because they have got their eyes on the sins of their brother, mm. they have seen and just oh, yeah. magnified. And 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 you know, from the Garden of Eden to David on the rooftop, Satan always works through distraction. Yeah. If if he can get me to get my mind and my emotions off of my own relationship with mm. God, and get it on your relationship with God, right. mm-hmm. then I'm an empty house. For him to circle back around and fill me with all kinds wow. of yeah. things, I justify, you, yes. you know, justify uh, uh, anger outbursts by, you, you know, well, I've got part uh, this blood in me, mm-hmm. or I've got part that blood in wow. me, yeah. and uh, the 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 enemy, our enemy, is just a master mm. at distracting us, getting our eyes off of things that that don't matter, and while we neglect our own hearts and. He fills it with all these seemingly justifiable things. I think uh, I think John Piper wrote a book called Respectable Sins. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, here's our the you know the the sins that we would hammer on yeah. on Sunday night. We would hammer on all these. Yeah. Oh yeah, but we wouldn't hammer down on envy uh-huh. and hypocrisy. Absolutely, yeah. you know, yeah. because yeah. that comes that's that's our front porch. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and so I think that's what. Uh, Brother Woodward said is that these are the things that are your, we're accepting into our minds. It's easy. It's easy for us to judge somebody the external sure. Yes. sins, yes. the the things where the behaviors visible, and the, and yeah. you know I think Jesus said somewhere about a, a moat in you know your brother's yeah. eye and a yes. beam in your own eye. Yeah. You know you kind of get tripped up on everybody else's big you know big sins, and we accept our own. Well, it's just a little bit of hypocrisy. Yes, it's just a yeah. little yeah. white lie, yeah. and he's coming. He, I mean, he's nailing him right here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things um, when he when he mentions, you know, um, you say, "Do not commit adultery," and he says, "Do you commit adultery?" You know, and of course, obviously, they would probably no, I don't. But Jesus put the standard so high. Yes, yes. When yeah. he said, "If you look upon a woman yeah. to lust after her, you've you've committed adultery already with her." In, in, your, in heart. your heart. So w- w- when you, you look at this, th- these may, Romans may give us the answer to why we, we don't see more restoration in our movement that we should, because when we're trying to restore someone that has done the act, mm. all right, yeah. we're not restoring them understanding, hey, did you have those thoughts? Mm-hmm. Did have you battled those thoughts? Yeah, so, wow. so uh, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing what these two scholars have to say about chapter uh, chapter two. I, I, go ahead. I, I want to go back to that whole segue from chapter one to chapter two. Jesus told one of his most famous stories was we call it the parable of the prodigal son. Yeah. 
there are two boys in that story. Yes, yes. The prodigal who is out in debauchery and sin, but the self-righteous older brother who stays home, but... You know, it's so ironic. The prodigal comes home. He's not even happy to see him come home. Mm. And he kind of has this accusing tone with the father that, you know, all these years you never threw me a party. Well, he says, son, all that I have is yours. You're here. You could have a party every night of the week if you wanted to. He's got a wrong spirit too. So to me, chapter one is the prodigal son. Oh, sure. so good. But chapter two is the judgmental, hey, unrighteous hey, yeah. sure. older brother who thinks he's, he's righteous, and so he's in trouble. And that's yeah. who Jesus is telling that story to Pharisees. Pharisees exactly. in the I mean, he opens it, he, he begins that by preaching, yes. you know, hey, yes. the lost coin. Yes. Uh, of course you're going to be so excited about that. But then when you get to the lost son, well, get rid of him. Yeah, get rid exactly. of him. Yeah. And, and so there's two, like you said, there's two lost sons there. Exactly. And... Uh, I, I love that. Chapter one is the prodigal son, yeah, and chapter yeah. two is it's, the yeah, elder brother. Awesome. And it, it, he gets into where, and we'll we'll get into it. And I don't want to get ahead of us, but it's, he says there's no respect of persons. Mm-hmm. So he kind of he keeps reverting back to, and I, I know um, Pastor Willie, I know you, you've read this, but that whole prodigal God, Tim Keller thing. Mm-hmm. It's like God, the Father's one that becomes forgotten in that whole story. Mm-hmm. I heard it said the other night, and this is a, a total uh, plug here, but you, you know, Brother Carpenter said distraction. And if you really get into it, the the younger brother, the you know the chapter one, chapter two, both parties get distracted in some sense yep. of what the the true meaning is. Um, when he says no respect or person, and, and I love how Paul he brings it back, and we mentioned it in chapter one, we'll mention it in chapter two here again, that there's hope. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, brother Tuttle said the other night, I, I was privileged to hear him speak. He said that the road home. From the world to the house is shorter than from the house to the world. Mm. Wow, that's a great. Because he said, "There's a father that's running to wow, you." Wow, mm-hmm. that's awesome. You know, I, I just think that understanding that no matter which side of the coin, you know, which if you're a chapter one or you're a chapter two, if you're religious, if you're a hypocrite, mm-hmm. if you're just honest with ourselves, is what he called it. You yep. know, um, it, it's it's it, actually the word I say it, what he called it. The word hypocrite is not actually mentioned in there. I don't think the word hypocrite's mentioned after the Gospel of Luke, actually, in our Bible. It's mentioned a few times in Job, but after the Gospels, it's never mentioned again in the epistles. But he definitely, obviously, obviously uh, yep. you know, addresses the, the concept, but it's just a—I um, I think that, man, that contrast there, if you can really take the, the prodigal son and apply that, that's yeah. pretty— um, Pretty powerful, but what 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 do you what do you think he's saying there? Let's, if we jump to verse eleven, since I kind of took us there, if if we want to backtrack, we can. But um, what what do we think he's saying there is when he says there, there's no respect of persons with God? Is in context, how can how can we translate that as far as just some commentary on that? I think verse? what he's saying here, if you look at verse nine, there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. So he's condemned them already, whether you're without the law in your conscience or you're a, a, a Jew and you've followed mm-hmm. the law. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, mm-hmm. the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. So just as there's wrath against from, from God's righteousness, there's no partiality there. If you are a Gentile or a Jew, you're under God's wrath. But if you are a believer, mm. Jew or Gentile, yeah. there's hope. And so there's no partiality. And so he's not saying, and he's going he's to keep building this out of the rest of the letter, because the Jews thought we are a 
a, a special people, and obviously they, they, they are, but they're, they, they think they're exempt from everything. And so he's saying, now, now listen, this, this gospel's for everybody because God's wrath is for, for everybody, everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. because of sin. And so that the partiality is God is not a respecter of persons, uh, meaning that the, the hope of the gospel is not just for good people. Mm. Okay, so most people say, well, I can't go to church because if I go to church, the roof's going to fall in. Yeah. Well, that's a, we're all there. We're all sinners. Mm-hmm. Right. He's, he's going to say, for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, verse 12, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law. Mm-hmm. So it's those who believe. It's not so. Yeah, we're all sinners. Yeah. So there's no partiality there. No. And, and neither is there any partiality on who he's going to save. Mm-hmm. So if you're a <laughs> the, the prodigal in chapter yeah. one or the elder brother in chapter two, that's the hope that there's no partiality. He's not saving some because they're rich. He's not saving some because they're a different race. He's not saving some because they're more popular or have more money. He's saying that the gospel is for everybody. It's it's a it's a powerful contrast in that you can get caught up. And again, it goes back to I, I, Brother Carpenter said distracted. Like if we get distracted outside of looking at what the main keeping the main thing the main thing. But if you, it's like I've heard it said before, it's like you 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 don't wait and go to the gym. You know, when you're fit, you're going to yeah. go to the gym to get. You know, you you don't have a thing at the door and it's like, hey, only fit people. No, they're measuring your body fat. They're measuring your problems. They're measuring right. you got a trainer to go in. That's acceptable at the gym, but at the church, it's like we expect you. You, you somehow reason have this mindset of like I can't go until I've got myself together. Yeah. That do, doesn't make any sense. The point is, and I think again, it's a, a lot of things in our church today. It's a growing process, and 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 you know, each day, each week, each month that this person is coming in, they're growing, and that's that's the point. And and um. I, I think, like he says there, there, he's no no respecter of persons that getting caught up again in that comparison, whether we're on the good side of it or the bad Absolutely. side of it, is not going to win. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? the, the, the reason old cliches become old cliches is because there's a seed <laughs> of truth in them. And the old cliche is you don't get good to get God. Right. You get God to get, to get good. good. Yeah. It's good. It's very it. true. Yeah. It's good. I think he follows that up with your in chapter 3. Yeah. What's yeah, the, what, what's the you know he says what advantage? Yeah, we're, well, it definitely it's just what, it almost keeps keeps rolling. If if there's anything else there at the end, I, I do think that you know within um, I, I want to hit verse twenty one for sure there, but it's it's like uh, I, I just can't get past what Brother Carmen says as far as distraction as far as to anybody that's within the church. I guess that you could say he's he's you know. I think Bishop Osborne says it this way. He said it's like the old Western movie. You know, they're they're burning down the the feed and feed store, and they're robbing the bank. You know, it's like we can get so caught up in the distractions of the enemy. He'll make something look like you know whether it's how we look in other people's eyes or something going on that's so you feel like you become so focused on um, these things within within the church or within the movement or making sure that you're you know you're uh, up to speed with all all the things of what you you know think the modern church needs to be that we forget that it's about a sinner absolutely coming to God it's a, it's about all of us growing and knowing to do good and doing it you know yeah. there's go ahead bishop no uh, uh pastor woodward i guess in verse 17 of chapter 2 when when paul 
begins to say, you're mm. called a Jew, you rest in the law, you make your boast of God, know his will, approve the mm-hmm. things that are most excellent, <laughs> being, an instruct, being instructed out of the law, you're competent that thou art a guide to the blind, <laughs> a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth of the law, Thou, therefore, which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Mm. Thou that preachest a man should not steal, do you steal? Mm. And, and again, I, I just come back, I just, I just kind of come back to where we're at today and apply it. You know, the world is looking at us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And if there's one thing the world is good at, it's sniffing out hypocrisy. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. All right. Oh, yeah. they, they, can, they can see it, you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and I think, again, Paul is just, he's really just shaking people and saying, you're telling the world to live this way, mm. but look at how you're living. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and it would, you know, we would be to examine our, to examine ourselves. Um, Jesus said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That by this shall the world, right. by this yes. shall the culture, yeah. right. know that you're my disciples. If you have love, love, right, one toward another, mm. and um, if you're if 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 I see my brother go astray, there's a biblical way of addressing that with him and him alone. Yeah, you know, but just to keep my eyes on uh, you, and I, I see a flaw in Pastor Whitley, and you wait till I get up and preach it the next time, and let everybody know right. over here in Miracle how holy we are. Yeah. And how unholy they are. Yeah. Um, it, it, it to me, it's so simple. <coughs> the, uh, the book of Romans is just not difficult no. when you just break it down, no. and because you see yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? If, you, if you don't, you've got a real problem. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, not to circle back around again to chapter one, <laughs> but I think it's 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 an important connection because one and two set up the full argument. One mm-hmm. sets up the whole deal about you sinners are in trouble. Or chapter two sets up you so-called saints are in trouble. Uh, in chapter one, one of the things Paul said, this is one in 24, he said, and this is prefacing that big long list of sins that we've talked about. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts. Mm. And, and then he goes right to the worst sin that we all have talked about. Uh, but there's no sin that's worst. No. But he just says they dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So we go, oh, that's that's what he's talking about. But no, he's talking about that that term called lust. It's epithumia. It means an over desire. So so people though, and and God says he gives them over. The worst thing God can yes. do to you mm. is allow you to pursue what you want the most. Right. That's the worst thing he can do. The yeah. penalty for our insistence on sin is that God just says, okay. And and then we see all the damage in chapter one. Well, so we go to chapter two and, and we think we're talking about a totally different subject. We're not. Mm-hmm. Maybe my lust, my over-desire, we think mm-hmm. of lust as sexual. It's not. No. It's, it's that over-desire of the mm-hmm. human ego, the human heart, the human mind and spirit. 
maybe my desire is to appear really righteous before people. Sure. Maybe my desire is for people to think I'm very spiritual or, or extremely holy. Yes. Well, that's just as wrong right. as the rest. That's right. And we're all right. in trouble. And that's yeah. where we come back to, to your verse in chapter two. God is no, res there's Thank no you. respect of persons no. with God. Uh, he doesn't give me points because I've attended church for years. Mm. Uh, he doesn't penalize somebody that's been in rank, rotten no. sin for years. Right. They can come to an altar and in one moment, yeah. they can give that sin to God in an act of repentance and begin this wonderful journey of the new birth there's no respect of persons. They're, no. they're, when they're born again, they may have had decades in sin. They're just as right, right in their standing before God as me or you or any of us who've been serving God for years. Yes. No respect of persons. No. The, that's how powerful the gospel wow. is. Wow, thank God. That's, that's, thank God. that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Going uh, to, to tag off what both of you said and what Bishop Carpenter said on verse uh, verses 17 through uh, 24, you know, he says, you are a guide, you've instructed, uh, you're a light, you've taught, hmm. you've preached. One thing that I have learned um, over the years, the hardest person to lead hmm. is not a congregation. It's not a team. It's not a student. The hardest person to lead is, is me. me. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> always, so he says, that, that verse 21, do so you good. not teach yourself? Yeah, mm -hmm. the first person I got to teach is myself. Yes, mm -hmm. I'm the unruly one mm -hmm. out of all of us. Yep. I'm I ha wow. because it's hard for me to bring myself under subjection of what I'm. It's easy for me to preach to everybody, everybody else. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's easy easy for me to get up and say, "Here's what you got to do." But that's mm -hmm. what he's saying that they the Jews have done is that they've told everybody else. Wow. He said, "The name of God is blasphemed in the culture." Because you don't do what you say you right. do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so the hardest person to lead is is yourself. And I think if we can realize that, in, and, and Paul's showing a mirror of ourselves here, mm -hmm. and you got to see yourself that you are in need of a savior. Mm -hmm. You are in need of something here. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's great. I think somebody talked about identity in the last last lesson. Mm -hmm. You know, we're a debtor. We're a saint. Those are true. We're a child of God. He talks about we're heirs with Christ. Mm -hmm. But we, 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 we first must know is that we're sinners. Yeah, That's our first identity, that we're sinners and that we are in need of a Savior, whether we are in these uh, extravagant sins or we're in these mm -hmm. private sins in our hearts. We're in need of a Savior. And I think that's the hope of the whole letter. Uh, I think... That that whole saying, you know, the, the mirror is always harder to hold. It's much easier to point the finger in chapter one than to pick up that looking glass that James refers to yeah. in chapter two. And so he he really digs um, at all of us. And again, that's why I, I, in in conclusion of chapter two, again I go back to just say we closed out chapter one. If 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 you'll take this word, just like the love of it won't offend you. Looking at it is going to expose some things in your life. So picking up that mirror, and, and like Pastor Willie just said, it's, it's so powerful. The hardest person to lead is me. Yep. How many times tying all of these things together, I can get distracted, mm. pulled away by my own lust, not somebody else's, my own enticement, has drawn me away by my own desires, mm. 
Right. Oh, you don't. That that's a great scripture that God will give you the desires of your heart if mm-hmm. you love God. If you love God. <laughs> if yeah. if you're looking out for you and you're looking out for your own pride, your own other desires, it's like the Book of Judges. They 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 looked across at the culture and said, "We want a king like they've got." That's what you desire. He allows them to be conquered by the culture. The same people that he had delivered sure. out from up under tyrant after tyrant after tyrant after this, after that, and done all these miracles. So your desire's there. Do you desire to look in the mirror? Do you desire to look at the Word of God? And, it, it, and again, I, I go back to social media, the things that are happening in our world today. Are you looking at that to determine who you're going to be? Is that what you're longing for? Or are you looking to be uh, what Paul's addressing here is is definitely not a hypocrite because we know hypocrisy is extremely harmful. Mm-hmm. It's extremely harmful mm-hmm. to what we all are looking to accomplish. Um, it's another one of those sins against the remedy, if I could <laughs> yeah. say that, because as long as you're pretending right. that you're fine, yeah. you can't be made fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you're pretending that you're holy, you mm-hmm. can't be made holy mm-hmm. because you have to be honest. I desire truth in the inward parts. parts. Yes. That's that's the wow. whole thing. And so it, it really does come down to, are you going to worship culture, social media, whatever, or are you going to worship God? Because you will worship something. Yes. It may even be yourself and that your exchange. own righteousness, mm. but you're going to worship something. So Paul's trying to knock out all the crutches, take us out at the knees and bring us to our knees and say, mm. I've got to have God. Whether oh, I'm a Jew, yes. whether I'm well, a Gentile, yes. I've got to have God. You know, uh, Brother Hammond, when we come down to the end of chapter 2, Paul, uh, I mentioned a while ago that the enemy, our enemy first distracts us. Mm. And he distracts us for his second wave is to divide us. Yeah. You know, wow. okay. So he, he distracts and then he divides. Uh, Adam and Eve were one mm. until uh, the distractor came and got her mind off all the other trees mm. and and then even the Bible says that Eve was deceived, mm-hmm. but Adam was not. So yeah. there's there's a division there. David got um, divided. He if he had been with his army and not divided, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that uh, stigma wouldn't be on his life. So he comes down at the end here and he starts talking about circumcision, and it they allowed something uh, that was obvious that um, they had done years ago. Uh, and it became the sign that they were God's people, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But inwardly, right. they had all this stuff in, yeah. in, in, inside, of their, inside of their heart. And I, I really love how he comes down and he starts talking about the, the, those of the uncircumcision said they do by nature things contained in the law. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, was it not um, Abraham that paid tithe mm-hmm. hundreds of years before the law? Mm-hmm. Was it not Joseph that yeah. refused to uh, uh, commit adultery with uh, yeah. Potiphar's wife right. hundreds of years before the stamp of thou mm-hmm. shalt not. Mm-hmm. So uh, when, when we come to the end of this, I, I would really like to hear uh, both of these uh, men who I do consider scholars, um, that, that because we see it today as a church, I want to stay balanced. We have uh, distinctions of uh, who we are, male and female, and even in roles of modesty, we have things that we have done mm. and accepted as our Pentecostal culture. But I don't want to have my outward right, and when I open my mouth, right. it reveals my heart's not. Right. Uh, 
could could one of you maybe um, just kind of a, a statement that occurs to me uh, is you know the Jews were an exceptional people and they still are. Mm -hmm. uh, God is going to still deal with the Jews when the church age is concluded. Yes. He will turn his attention back to the Jews for a time. Uh, so they are exceptional, but they're not an exception. Mm. And I think we have to say that to our <laughs> wow. apostolic young people wow. and all saints today. Yeah. Yes, you are exceptional. You've been saved. You've experienced a new birth. You, you're, you're attending maybe a, a powerful church and you're involved. So you're exceptional. In this world, there's no doubt you're exceptional. But you're not an exception. You still have to really live this in your heart. Mm. And so when Paul comes down to the end of the chapter, he, he basically is saying wow. uh, in verse 28, he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, yes. neither mm. is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew and the implication, he's a true Jew. He's a real Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit mm. and not just in the letter. Mm. His praise is not of men, but of God. Mm. So Paul's not bashing circumcision. He was circumcised. Wow. He was a Jew. Yes. But he's saying, if my dependence is only in oh, those outward yes. things, I'm a real Jew, a true Jew. I don't just keep the law because it makes me feel superior. Mm. I don't just keep the law because I'm trying to get around the wrath of God. I keep the law because God gave me the gospel. I have a true experience of change mm. on the inside. So the outward, and I think this is important, Brother Carpenter, the outward is an outgrowth of the mm. inward. If it's not, we're in trouble yes. from the get-go. Yes. We don't do all of these beautiful uh, standards of lifestyle, our holiness convictions. We don't do them to merit anything or to get anything. No. That's the problem in chapter two. Right. They think we're good because right. we've done all this. Yeah. It's not that. It's an outgrowth of the gratitude. I'm a debtor. Yes. I have the gospel. I'm not ashamed yes. of the gospel. Wow. I, I think what we battle today, I think what we battle today in our movement is that we have a generation wanting us to explain it in our heads, mm. but if it's not in our heart, right? Yeah. It doesn't you work. know, it's not don't, don't tell me about being a Jew up here. Mm -hmm. Tell me about being Jew here, because if it's in my heart, yes. sure. it will Beautiful. automatically, you know, flow. So, um, Pastor Whitley, I think uh, Pastor Woodward said it so beautifully: is that this is it's not just the uh, the outward that people are going to see because they've seen that you're a Jew, but yeah. you, you're taught it, but you're not, yes, you're not living not it. it. Yes. And so I think for our generation, yeah. Zach and I are probably closer in age, is that we've learned to shout, but we've not learned how to live. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we've learned how to do all the things that come along with Pentecost, yeah. but we don't know what it's like to be a Christian. Right. Mm. And that, that's important. And, and, and we can shout in here. I'm, I'm for shouting. Absolutely. But if sure. we, across the street... Yes. They're not looking for us to shout. They're looking for us to love yes, them. That's right. And to reach them and to share this message with them. And that's what the difference is. We we do these things because it's part of our culture. And we love those things and they're, and they're dear to us, but they never replace the mission of, exactly. of sharing that. Yes. Right. And then uh, I'm, I'm afraid that our generation has learned those things. Mm -hmm. to, to Those are the things that we measure it by. Right. When really God's not measuring our commitment to him by how we shout on a Sunday so night service. Good, yeah. mm -hmm. He's measuring how much we love him, how we live this in our hearts. Right. So we're not simply Christians outwardly, 
but we have been circumcised in the heart, mm-hmm. in the inward man, by the Spirit. Mm. And so the we don't just have the emotional outcry of a spiritual move of God that we need, right. but we are, we are changed and moved by our disposition towards loving each other mm, right. and showing mercy to other people, right. and that's really what how we can live this out as Christians. It's an apostolic lifestyle, right. not just an apostolic style. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, that's really Ooh. important. Very and, good. and I would not throw your generation under the bus. Where did they learn that emphasis on the outward versus the inward? They learned it from my generation. Yes. Uh, so to me, a generation is everybody living alive <laughs> at one time. Yeah. Yeah. We're all in trouble, just sure. like Paul says. Yeah. 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 We're all in trouble. That's yeah. the bottom line. I think in, in closing, the chapter two, just tying right on to what Brother Willie just said, we would, we would do harm to the movement to know how to move in the spirit but not walk in the spirit. Yeah. Wow. So I, I'm not sure the time frame. You all may know the time frame from Pentecost Acts to to his dealings with the, book, the the church at Rome. The book of Rome's here his letter. But it, it, the last thing we need is that move to be, that, that I guess Pentecost to become paralyzed. That it has no feet on it. You can talk about it. You can tell about it. You know it, but you don't act mm-hmm. act in it. Um, so I, I think. This this has been awesome. I hope I hope you, everybody's enjoyed yes. chapter two. Awesome. And and the cool thing is is that we kind of keep around, along the same lines in chapter three. So yeah. we'll we'll dive into that here in just a moment.